Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SALT Talks. My name is John Darcy. I'm the Managing Director of SALT, which is a global thought leadership forum and networking platform at the intersection of finance, technology, and public policy. SALT Talks, if you haven't tuned into any of our series yet, is a digital interview series that we launched during the pandemic uh, with leading investors, creators, and thinkers. And our guest today is another one that merges sort of those three topics, and we're very excited to have a, a wide-ranging conversation with him. Uh, but SALT Talks, what we're really trying to do with this series is uh, replicate the experience that we provide at our global conference series, the SALT Conference. And that's to provide a window into the mind of subject matter experts, as well as provide a platform for what we think are big ideas that are shaping the future. And we're very excited today to welcome Noah Kerner to SALT Talks. Uh, Noah is the CEO of the micro-investing app Acorns, and he's the co-founder of the shareholder rights startup Say. His background is very colorful and diverse. He's a four times entrepreneur. He's the co-author of Chasing Cool and the former CEO of Barney's and also a former DJ. Noah built the leading creative agency for the young adult market, which was called Noise. And before being acquired by Engine, uh, Noise developed hundreds of products and marketing campaigns for this generation, including Facebook's first application, the first credit card to reward responsibility rather than spending for Chase, Vice's music website called Noisy, and the top branded game in the App Store. And Noah's been recognized as one of Billboard Magazine's top 30 under 30, one of Adweek's top 20 under 40, and uh, Fast Company's one of their innovation agents and impact council members, and also as a judge for the Webby Awards. Uh, he has also advised and invested in a variety of fast-growing startups, including WeWork, uh, where he served, uh, served as the chief strategy and marketing officer from 2013 to 2014. He's passionate about educating today's youth as well, and he's lectured on entrepreneurism, uh, fintech, and media at NYU, at UCLA, at Stanford, and Columbia, and he currently serves on the board of VH1's Save the Music Foundation. And Noah is a graduate of Cornell University, uh, where he studied psychology and economics, and I believe today he's coming to us from the beautiful Berkshires. And hosting today's talk is Anthony Scaramucci, who's the founder and managing partner of Skybridge Capital, which is a global alternative investment firm. Anthony is also the chairman of SALT. And with that, I'll turn it over to Anthony for the interview. John, thank you. Noah, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, congratulations on everything thus far. And the cool thing about you, Noah, is you're just getting started. So I have no doubt that the next decade and the next two or three decades are even going to be more sensational than the last few. Congratulations. Let's, let's, let's go back to what motivates Noah Kerner. Go ahead. Where did you get all of this great energy, passion, innovation? So, so someone told me not that long ago to write down your purpose, which I thought was a ridiculous ask, but I did it anyway. And I sat down and just kind of what, wrote what came out of me. And what came out was level the playing field. And, and then it was like, you know, look back in your life through the lens of that. Because for me, it was this organic process of like, okay, level the playing field. I went all the way back to my childhood. I grew up in the East Village in New York, much like you. I was a public school kid. I, I grew up a lot around kids that didn't have a lot. But I had this weird dichotomy in my life where like in the day, I was with all these kids who didn't have a lot. And at night, I was playing tennis with the wealthiest kids in Manhattan. And that was like you know, every day going back and forth, back and forth. Then for high school, switched, private high school by the day. I got turntables at 14, slightly terrified my parents and became like immersed in hip hop and started doing hip hop nightclubs at 16. So it was like by the day, 
you know, wealthiest kids in Manhattan at night, grittiest nightclubs in the city. And that was kind of like this, this is the beginning of my life going in, in these, in between these worlds and understanding the haves, the have nots. I got to travel the whole country as a young person touring as a DJ actually. So I saw what was happening and how people were living. And I felt like, huh, you know, maybe it's time to dedicate myself to, to, to helping to bridge that divide. If I have the opportunity to do that, that would be a good use of my time, so. Okay, so this is sensational. So you got a great book, you have a great memoir in you. Um, but I wanna go on this a little further before we get into Acorn. So uh, when you say level the playing field, the way I understand it is you want people who are in the have not category to have an equal opportunity, or at least to get closer to the starting line that other people have. Uh, what private high school did you go to? Fieldston. Okay. And so, you know, there are wealthy people at Fieldston. There were probably some less wealthy people, but mostly wealthy people. So there was a divide. We know there's a, there is a great divide in the country. Um, and, but what is that impulse, Noah? Go, go a little deeper. I'm not your shrink, but trust me, I'm a lot cheaper than a shrink. <laughs> but go a little deeper for me. Tell me, tell me uh, what, what, why that impulse and why that purpose? Well, I think so. I think it's I think it's painful to watch. I think as a person, you know, if you have any sense of empathy to see the way that this divide exists, it's just painful to watch. And so, like, I don't know if I can if I can combine my professional life and that sense of purpose. That's that's really good to go to give a little more context. Also, so my father worked in banking for many years, but he was actually in the philanthropic side of banking. He was technically the first corporate social responsibility officer. So he used to give the banks money away to community development projects. But at the time that was not like, it was not a core part of the DNA of the bank. It was because of the community reinvestment act that they had to give the money back. So I also sort of saw this, like, you know, working for these big banks, doing philanthropic stuff, but that wasn't really part of the DNA. And so there was, I, don't, I just always saw these, these gaps, uh, you know, that's the best way I can say it. And, and I feel, I feel like what, why spend your time on something that's not noble in pursuit if you have the opportunity to do that? So, so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question because it's just curious. So the, you, you, you've been on both sides of it. So you've been with the haves and you've been with the have nots, but the have nots are just as smart as the haves. Am I right or wrong? I mean, in my neighborhood, I mean, I was sitting up at Harvard Law School. I'm like, okay, I know you guys think you're all great with the blue, you know, the, and the, and the Brooks Brothers Alpha on, but there are kids in my neighborhood that are as smart as you guys, if not smarter, they just didn't have the advantages. Do you feel that way? And happier, actually. So I felt that way a lot. Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, possibly happier. Yeah. Why, why happier, you think? That's a good question. Maybe more freedom somehow. I don't know. I, uh, but I always felt more comfortable on that side. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, I've, I've been on both sides. So I'll, I'll give you my view of it. It's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily more freedom, but it's less expectation. So if your dad is a crane operator, like my dad was, my parents thought I was going to Hartford Law School. You know, when I, when I took the map out, they were like, we're going to Connecticut. I'm like, no, we're going, to, going back up to Boston. It's down the block from Tufts. My parents didn't know any better. So if you don't have the expectation, then you there's a little bit of a relaxation to that. I, I felt a lot of people that I went to law school with were so fearful of failing because of what they needed to quote unquote live up to that they, they were pressurized. So 
So there's dilemmas on all sides. So I, I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate where you're coming from. And, and you built an amazing business. And let's talk about Acorns now because it fits into your life plan and it fits into who you are as a guy. And it's a brilliant idea. So for those of us that don't know a lot about Acorns, I do, but there's lots of listeners that may not. Tell us about Acorns. Tell us why you initialize it. Tell us how it's going so far. Yeah. To get back to the leveling the playing field, at the highest level, it's really about putting the tools of wealth making in everyone else's hands. And that's, you know, like you asked the question, why shouldn't everybody have access to these things that have been reserved for the rarefied? Like that, that, that doesn't make sense. So at the most basic level, Acorns makes it really, really easy to save and invest small amounts of money for the future. And then we also layer on top financial literacy um, as an integrated sort of function inside the product. We've opened up over 8 million accounts in the US. The customer base is really that, you know, it's the everyday American almost exclusively, and the product is designed that way. So um, functionally, we have a bunch of products inside. You Like we, we help you round up your spare change, automatically invest a spare change into a diversified portfolio. You can set up a retirement account is the easiest way to set up a retirement account, automatically contribute by the day, the week, the month. We have a kid's investment account. So if you're, you just started a family, you can easily set up a kid's investment account. And then we built out a banking product that helps you. Our, our goal is to get people to spend less, save and invest more. Um, it all comes back to us for how do, we, how do we help people maximize their saving and investing potential? And so you, 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 you've attracted a very interesting investor list. You've got Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, Danny Garcia. You've got uh, Jennifer Lopez. You've Aston Kutcher. Um, how did you get these people? Probably mostly from former lives. You know what I mean? Like that, that getting back to the beginning of the story, just kind of navigating these different worlds, music, entertainment, hip hop, whatever, you know, and, and I think, I think the, the common thread for all of them is that they connect to the storyline. Like, like Dwayne Johnson is perfect. It is his, his company, seven bucks productions. He started cause he had seven bucks in his pocket. And his story is the acorns to oak story. That's our, our brand is all about how do we help people turn, become, go, move from being tiny acorns to mighty oaks. And, and that, you know, all those people kind of share that Jen, Jenny from the block, the, you know, the whole, that whole storyline is the same. Well, I mean, I mean, I want to emphasize this because we have a lot of young people that listen to these uh, salt talks. You kept your relationships. You didn't transact with your relationships. You made them holistic and you made them symmetrical. So these people wanted to come with you in your life. So it's not like you were just operating as a DJ. That was over hasta la vista. You kept in close touch with everybody. And so the point is, no matter what's going on in your life, you could, as an example, work in the White House for 11 days, get your ass fired after 11 days. And that could be a bad thing, but it could also be elements of good where now you've bonded with General Kelly who fired you, become personal friends. You see right. what I'm saying? And so there's a big lesson to people that you got to keep your relationships because these people have clearly helped you, but you've also helped them because you've built this amazing company. Um, and so now let's talk about the transaction. I go to the store. I, I'm a member of Acorn. I go to the store. I buy something. It's $4.15. What does your app enable me to do? So we round it up to $5. The 85 cents automatically gets invested into a diversified portfolio of ETFs. So like thousands of stocks and bonds. So that, that hits my credit card or what, how, does it, how does it round up? It actually, pull, so it pulls it from your bank account. 
So you, so I as part you. of registration, you link your bank account. That becomes your funding source. We we see your your spending, and then we pull the spare change and invest it for you from your bank account automatically. Okay. All right. So it's a br- it's a brilliant idea. You've got companies out there that are known as robo advisors. Companies like Betterment or a stash or Robinhood. So how do you differentiate from them? Yeah. To be honest, like we don't really think about, we don't really think about competition. I like the idea of blazing a trail, you know, blazing a path and leaving a trail. Like we, we pioneered micro investing. We pioneered bringing financial literacy and education together in the product. We pioneered getting brands to invest in you for, for, for shopping with them. Uh, we, 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 we sort of, we move in our own way and we move forward in our own way. And, and, and so, and don't really look right and left necessarily. Um, I'd say from the customer vantage point, the key thing to understand about acorns is the customer we serve, the simplicity of it, the way it helps you grow and grow wealth and the degree, the the number of tools we we provide to help you, um, unlock your potential. Tell us about acorns early. What does that mean? What's acorns early? It's a kid's investment account. So parents can automatically set up investment accounts for their kids, as many kids as you have. And you, you set up a recurring contribution and it just automatically invests into the kid's future for you. If you're an Acorns customer, it's pretty much 30 to 60 seconds to set it up. And it's just kind of works like, like magic. You can see this that we have a graph called the potential graph. So you can see what that money can become through compounding over time, which you know I'm sure everybody here knows, but that's when your money grows on top of itself. Um, we have financial literacy for families. And then we have brand partners that invest in, 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 in that are family oriented and invest in you when you participate with them. It, it's, it's amazing. And I think it's also a reminder to people, the earlier that you start investing, the more value there is in the compounding. So you can give small amounts of money at an early age and end up with way more money than if you start out with large amounts of money at a later age. And so uh, I think I think you're taking advantage of that for people, and you're also explaining that to them. So there's a lot of wisdom in what you're doing. Um, the COVID-19 has compl- complicated investing, and so uh, what does Acorns grow, and how is Acorns helping its users understand the opportunities of long-term investing in the COVID-19 landscape? No. Yeah. So we built Grow is our education product, and it started out of this idea that when you, when you, when you're an investor and you read the news, you're going to make bad decisions. So the difference in this space between news and education, I think is really critically important, right? News is, uh, the world's coming to an end. The market's crashing every day. The market swings every day. It's in the red, the, you know, black, it's like impossible to, to, to stay calm and make rational decisions when you watch this. Education for us is providing information to our customers that helps them. So when the market goes down, you know this, that's the worst time to pull your money out. But if you're not super sophisticated about this and you're paying attention to the news, you're going to pull your money out because you're going to panic. And my parents did that two or three times and probably lost 200, 300% on their money. So we, our messages to the customers are great investors stick with it. Great investors stay the course. If you look back in time throughout history, every downturn has ended in an upturn. That kind of information is much more useful than the market went down a thousand points today. The world's coming to a fucking end. Like, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, we we had Morgan Hassel on, Hassel, who's uh, wrote the book Psychology of Money. And what ends up happening is people get so emotionally charged about their money 
they do the exact opposite thing that they should do. It's, it's based on the fight or flight response. And most people have a flight response uh, when it's their money because it's, it's their life savings. They get very, very worked up about it. And also they lose some confidence in the system. So they think, okay, that, that number that I'm looking at on CNBC for that stock is just a number. It's not reflective of an underlying business. So it's super important for people to be aware of that. So you, you have become a very well-known enterprise. I mean, everybody knows about Acorns, millennials, uh, the Generation X and Z, uh, up into you know, the old fogies like me. So how did you do that? How did you get the pro- proliferation of your brand? Starting with, and I think this gets lost a lot, but a real focus on product and product quality and making sure the product is good so people talk about it and refer it. I mean, the majority of our growth comes from organic and referral growth. So we focus a lot on things like NPS, which is net promoter score. You know, how likely are your customers to refer your product to a friend, making the experience great. And from a marketing perspective, we have partnerships with everybody from The Rock to brands. We do a lot of press. We do search engine optimization. You know, we have our content publication grow that gets a couple million uniques a month. It's a pretty holistic approach, but at the most basic level, is thinking about how to make a great product experience so people love it and talk about it. All right. And you're doing something pretty gigantic today, right? You're launching Acorns Jobs Finder. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. So that's pretty huge. Okay. Mazel tov. Congratulations. Okay. So now what are we doing with Acorns Jobs Finder? Tell tell our uh, delegates about it. Yeah. It comes back to the leveling the playing field thing. And also, I think, trying to be timely I can't sleep at night when I think about what's happening right now and how much unemployment there is and all the statistics around how much people are struggling. So there's two, there's sort of pre-COVID and, and, and COVID reasons for why we did it and why we did it now. So if you think about the banking industry at large and we do that, just kind of what are the gaps, right? Like why, and ask questions, why doesn't the banking industry help people with income when income is the most important part of your financial life? Like this just seems like a weird gap in financial services. So we sort of, we said, we said, look, we help people save and invest money to do that. We have to help people earn more money. And if you can earn more money, you have the potential to save and invest more money. So that was, that, that was sort of pre COVID logic. COVID logic for why we did it now is obviously, you know, the statistics around labor and, and, and unemployment. This is a really tough time. So we wanted to deliver millions of job opportunities, remote jobs, side gigs, part-time, full-time to our customers and say, look, there's a lot of opportunities. If you, there's a lot of interesting statistics around side gigs, for example, when it's like the huge uptick in side gig um, activity during, during COVID, but it turns out a lot of people don't know what type of side gigs there are, how to find them and what to choose. So we said, let's, let's bring this to, to, to bear inside of our product and bring these opportunities in, in, a, in a really important time. Um, let, let, let's talk about the pandemic. You said that uh, you, you're having some sleepless nights. Are you having some sleepless nights related to the pandemic? I have sleepless nights because it's hard for me, given what we do, to digest what's happening to people in the country. Like that, that, that's, you know, I mean, I obviously have some sleepless nights because of some of the activity happening in the world and in the country. But, but mostly it's like when, you know, if, if you're as immersed in this problem as I am and we are as a company, it's very hard to sleep when you see these statistics. 70% of Americans not having a $1,000 emergency fund. Our, our, our statistics show 
that the average American wants 75,000 to feel financially comfortable, that's a pretty big, enormous gap that is not gonna magically get filled. So unless we're helping people earn more, unless we're helping people save and invest for the future, unless we're helping people spend less so they can save and invest more, it's gonna be very, very difficult to move into the future. Well, listen, I join you in having the sleepless night. The reason I'm asking is like, there are a lot of nights in the last six months where I've lost sleep because of all the stuff going on, the political ramifications of what's going on, the healthcare ramifications, the fact that we have this dystopian information, disinformation out there uh, worries me. Um, but you're talking about the income divide. And so let's address that for a second. Um, why do you think that that has happened to the extent that it has happened? And it seems you could really trace it back to the last 40 years, Noah. So why, why do you think that that's happened? Well, pretty much flat middle-class wages, rising debts. So it's, it's, it's really- Okay, so let's address this. So why are the middle-class wages flat? Um, well, there's a lot of reasons for why middle-class wages are flat, but I think, I think when you, so by the way, one of them is when you, when you look at payroll inside companies, a lot of the, a lot of the wages are going to healthcare costs and things like this. So there's a lot of reasons, but combine that with the raise, rising debts and looks like this and you get it and, and, and the, the rise of personal loans and credit card, credit card debt and the increase in that you get into a really difficult cycle mm -hmm. that we're in. And unless it starts to go like this, I think we're going to be in a very difficult. Okay. But, but CEO wages are going like this though, right? Absolutely. No? Okay. So you get CEO wages going like this. Everyone else's wages going like that. That's going to cause some tension and anxiety and possible anger in the society, right? hundred percent. So, so what do you think has happened then? Have we lost our noblesse oblige in the society? Are we catch as catch can? We're just, everybody's out for themselves in an Ayn Rand kind of a way, or we don't have uh, the fabric uh, knitting and stitching our social contract tighter together? What do you think's happening? It's a really deep subject. And obviously there's a lot to say on this. Um, you know, when I think about what I do and my back to kind of what I view as, as, as purpose and the idea of kind of trying to level the playing field. If you think about banking as an example, just look at credit cards and how the credit card industry works. You and I get credit card points and rewards paid for by the debt of other people who don't have a lot of money. So I, I don't like using hackneyed phrases, but the system in many ways is rigged to enable people who have money to make more money and people who don't have money to go deeper into debt. I think if you think about investing, right? Like even right now, there's this whole range of savings products that have been pushed over the last couple of years with a 1.5% interest rate, saving, 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 saving. We can't save your way to wealth. You can't even save your way past inflation. So it's, it, it, I, I think it's information. I think it's education. I think there's not enough people working to level the playing field and actually giving a shit about that. I think when people start making money and they get here, you don't want to come down from, from that position. And people seem to, I, it's actually always been a surprising thing to me. Like any modicum of success for me is, 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 is incredibly humbling. Like, but I, but I meet a lot of people who get more successful and, and, and sort of seem to lose, lose sight of it. So it's just a weird, it's a, it's a strange phenomenon. So I think there's a lot, I think there's psychology, there's socioeconomic forces, macroeconomic forces. 
there's a whole series and range of forces. Yeah, look, I, I look, I tell my conservative friends, I, I got it. I understand that the rich want to get richer and I'm all for unlimited outcomes, but you got to be very, very careful because if you break the society and we disassociate uh, the super wealthy from regular people, you will have an upheaval. It's just, unfortunately, that happens. You got to study five or 6,000 years of history. You are way better off figuring out a way to help your neighbor Otherwise, you're going to be ending up living in a bob-wired security compound sitting in your McMansion with your family while your neighbors are suffering. I'm not exactly sure if there's a social good to that. I don't understand why you know, having 10% less and your neighbor doing better isn't better for you overall holistically. But that's a whole longer-term philosophical uh, discussion. Where is it? Before I turn it over to John Dorsey, who's dying to ask you questions, and we've got tons of questions in the queue, uh, where where is Acorns five years from now, Noah? So our vision is to build a financial wellness system that helps everyday Americans save and invest every day. That's like you know that's our stated that's our stated vision. I'm sorry. And what that means is there are many things you do in your financial life that impact your ability to save and invest: spending, earning, borrowing, literacy, all those things. We want to help you maximize all of that around saving and investing, so you have as much saving and investing. Um, potential as you possibly can. So in the next five years, Acorns will be much more of a system of products that work together. You know, that's one. Um, we're already the largest subscription service in U.S. consumer finance. And by the way, the subscription pricing model is also really important to the concepts we've been, we've been talking about, which is when you think about the, the, the way people are charged fees and banking, most of it is surprise and most of it is variable. Overdraft fees, minimum balance fees, all these things that pop up, up out of nowhere. Our thought is, let's bring a very predictable, simple, transparent pricing model to this category and say, it's $1 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month, whatever, here's what you pay, here's what you get. Um, we have an ambition of 100 million everyday Americans saving and investing every day. It's a pretty lofty it's a, you know, ambition and ideal, but I think if we could achieve that, that, that would help to make a dent in the fabric of society. And also literacy levels, really, really getting people more financially literate and focusing on getting our customers learning about all the things they need to learn about with their money. I think it's a travesty that that financial literacy is not part of core education because how do you get dropped off into the world not knowing how to do your taxes? That's a that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I, look, you preach to the converted. I uh, have you read The Richest Man in Babylon by George Clayson? I haven't. Tell me about it. it yeah, I want to recommend it to you because your whole business model is. Uh, basically based on that. I read the book when I was 14, had a big impact on me, but the central thesis of the book is if you want to get to independent wealth, you have to pay yourself first. So if you have a cable bill and you have an electric bill, that's all fine and dandy, but whether it's $5, $10, $100, every month you have a bill to yourself, which goes into a savings account or goes into a stock market account. And you know, I've been doing that since I was 14 years old, and it did have a dramatic impact in terms of developing the habits, the good habits of savings, which you're trying to do for so many Americans and people around the world. So I'm going to turn it over to John Dorsey, uh, but no, I've enjoyed the conversation and uh, I was your therapist there for about 10 minutes. So I will send you a side bill and we can round that up into my acorn account. Okay. <laughs> you got it. All right. Thank you. Go thank ahead, John. All right. Now, now for the normal part of the session where Anthony is not, not acting like your shrink. Um, 
But, you know, what's interesting to me, and Anthony sort of talked about this earlier, is how you've differentiated yourself from other uh, fintech players in the space focus, focusing on investing. And, and to me, the power in Acorns, and comment on this, if you will, is reinforcing positive habits. He talked about, we did a SALT talk several weeks ago with Morgan Housel, who wrote The Psychology of Money and writes a lot about uh, you know, that, that exact topic on his blog regularly as well. But how much of the platform is about in, uh, reinforcing the right habits in terms of you know, when you spend money, you should also be saving money and investing money. So how have you guys thought about the investor psychology piece of this business? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, you know, a lot of our customers have not saved or invested before. So what we, what we find there's this, and we, we, you know, we, we talk to a lot of our customers, we get this feedback. There's this sort of sense of hope and confidence that happens with discovering the product. And more importantly, the fact that you can actually save and invest money. The way the product functions is that there are a lot of ways to contribute really regularly. So when you come back to the product, you see it happening right in front of your eyes. And that, from a conditioning perspective, is really important because, as you know, the, the, the act of saving and investing is just complicated. It's out of reach. It's just hard to do. And so if we can make it easy to do, but also show you that it's happening right in front of you, we like to say celebrating growth and milestones, you know, that helps people begin and it helps people build the confidence to, to be able to continue doing it. So it's very much a conditioning and 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 I I I like the idea of you know and ask the question can we make saving addictive because there's a lot of addictive shit out there there's a lot of addictive platforms that aren't necessarily good for you so you could take if you could take those mechanisms and apply them to something that's really good for you that's wonderful right. yeah, it's it's a, there's a great book called nudge about that exact thing is it the same way that big tech companies use all of their research and ai capabilities to nudge people into behaviors that benefit the company what what if we as a as a public good started creating nudges into the right behaviors that actually makes people healthier and wealthier and happier yeah so richard thaler is an advisor to the company so very you know very familiar i, I love that book but that's exact that's exactly it you know and by the way the other side of this and the the, the, the other side of money for most people it probably all of us in different moments at different times not all of us but a lot of us there's a lot of shame and embarrassment tied up in it. It's hard to talk about if you're struggling, you don't want to talk about it. There's a lot, you know, so, so the fact that you can find this place where little by little it adds up, it builds a sense of hope. And I think, I think that emotional component is important because there's a lack of hope. There's a desperation in struggling with money, like hundred percent. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely something that people are very, reticent to talk about even within their own families. Um, so talk a little bit more about Acorns Grow. We have a couple questions about what's your long-term vision and mission for educating today's youth and our population in general about uh, financial literacy? How can we use technology to, to further pepper people with just these small stories about how you pay your taxes, how you understand the different taxes that you're eventually going to have to pay? You, know, you yeah. see you know, people like athletes coming into college football programs and going to play professional sports that buy a $2 million house without understanding the basics around property taxes and income taxes and understanding personal budgets. So how are you going to use technology the way you've done with Acorns, the core product from a grow perspective to educate people? Yeah. So the best thing to understand is that the core product involves education. Like we don't think of education as a side thing. There is a, there is a, a separate website we have called grow but the education is part of the product. 
and the way we think about it. And we have, by the way, we have not delivered on this yet. We, we will, but educating at the moment of decision-making is the way to, is the way to crack this. It's very hard to get people to read content. It's very hard to get people to remember. It's harder. Richard Thaler will tell you, you can get someone to read something, but forget about trying to get them to remember it. So you've got to educate at the moment of decision-making. And what that means in our world is product and education come together in one experience. Education is not branded entertainment. It's not over here, it's here. And there are things that we'll do for you. Like we automate investing, but there are things you need to know as an investor to make good decisions. So we can't automate the, 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 the act of you not taking your money out of the market when it goes down. You have to know that that's a bad decision. And we have to educate at the moment of decision-making so that you are constantly reminded of every downturn ends in an upturn, every downturn ends in an upturn, every downturn, you know, this kind of stuff. We, we, we don't make it hard to pull your money out because that's, I don't, we don't believe in that. Like you should be able to withdraw, you know, it's free, it should be right. easy. But it's not a good idea to withdraw unless you really, really need the money. Have you guys done any studies around the behavior of Acorns investors relative to the general public in terms of how they react to periods of market volatility? We have actually. So we, so we, so first of all, during the pandemic, and this is not the case historically. We've seen really high retention rates, and we attribute that. There's a bunch of factors, but we attribute that in part to like the constant barrage of education and information making sure that you know, these customers um, have this. We've also run test controls during market dips to see what happens when we don't educate people versus when we do. And there's a much better behavior among people who get educated through those periods. You know, I think we like to have our hand held during those moments. I know, I, I'm sure you've, you know, when you talk to your parents or anybody who's like, even I, I, I go, I mean, I have financial planners, I freak out too. And when things are sideways, I'll get them on the phone and they'll be like, okay, it's kind of embarrassing because of what I do, but I'll get them on the phone and I'll be like, I mean, this one, are you sure this, this one's different? <laughs> so even, so you, you have to hold people's hands. Everybody has anxiety, you know, and even the people with the most experience doing this has still, you still have moments of anxiety. So. Um, yeah. And we've had plenty of financial advisors on salt talks talking about that exact thing is that their job is part you know, investment manager, but the larger part of it is psychologists for their clients and, and you know, reassuring them during periods of volatility uh, to stay the course. Yeah, I wish I had our, my conversations with my guys recorded because it would be a Book recommendations. So. What is yeah, that right? Yeah. Uh, we have a question about book recommendations. So Anthony mentioned The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, which, which is a great book. Do you have any authors, whether it's books or bloggers or anyone that you read frequently uh, that help shape your worldview or any book recommendations that you're reading right now? Well, as it relates to this stuff and behavioral economics and money, I actually am a huge Thaler fan. So nut, so nudge and misbehaving and those books I think are great. Right. As it relates to life, I'm a Churchill fan and I like to read biographies and I, and I, I think the last lion that series is one of the great series, like from an inspiration perspective. And like, like you said, this is as much about technical, this is as much about courage to move through difficult times as it is about technical knowledge. And man, nobody had more courage to move through a difficult time than Churchill. So like his great lines run through my head all the time. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. You know, we'll fight in the hills, we'll fight in the streets. You know, just that, that mentality, um, the pessimist, you know, the optimist, or the optimist sees the opportunity in every challenge, the pessimist sees the challenge in every opportunity. Just all those reminders of like, stay courageous. 
Well, our, our director of sales at Skybridge is a massive Churchill fan. He's also British, so he fashions himself as a modern-day Churchill, so I get to hear a lot of uh, yeah. know, Churchillian uh, quotes and everything every morning. In the middle of the pandemic was no different as we you know, confronted all the issues that, that everyone in the world and in our country and in our industry faced during that time period. So Here's a pandemic, a good pandemic. All right, leave us with a nice, a nice Churchill quote to get everybody inspired as they leave today. When you're going through hell, keep going. There you go. And keep investing in your Acorns account because the compounding won't stop. But Noah, thanks so much for joining us. Anthony, you have a final word uh, for Noah before no, we let no, him go? No, I loved it. I, I hope we can get you back on. I, I'm looking forward to the future with you because uh, even though you've already built an oak, uh, I think that oak is going to turn into a redwood or a sequoia. So <laughs> I'd like to figure out a way to invest me some money in Noah, actually. So uh, uh, God bless you. Okay, we, we wish you great success. Thank you. Keep guys. up the great work for everybody. Thanks, Anthony. Take care.